0: Hey there everybody. Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. Great to be with you today. My name is Harrison Gilming, worship arts director here at Lake Forest in Huntersville. Sitting down today with
1: Hey, good to see you Harrison and hello people. Mike Moses, lead pastor of the Lake Forest Family of Churches and Lake Forest Church Huntersville. And I'm when I say family of churches, uh, that's our subject today, is church multiplication or church planting. It's something that if you've been around Lake Forest Church for a minute, you've heard that this is something unique to us, something that, it, that God has placed a burden and a capability on us to plant new churches. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, we're going to actually get an update from Pastor Byron Davis. If you've been a longtime listener here, you've heard Pastor Davis of our partner, Church Plant, The L., they're about our favorite church plant, who's not a part of our family. Uh, I was just with him yesterday. We're going to call him. He's going to call in and give you guys an update on how their church plant is doing in a pandemic. They face some challenges. We're coming up on Easter. Uh, Hey, folks, people are really reserving these Easter slots. Mm -hmm. And Harrison and I and our team are committed to adding more outdoor services Easter Sunday if there's demand for more. But we need for you guys to RSVP. So tell your friends, your community group, your men's and women's groups, you know, all that, you know, your mama, your grandmama, who's going to zoom in from out of town. Um, Please make the RSVP soon. Okay, here's why. Church planting was on top of mind, because right. yesterday, you, you guys, it's kind of invisible. One of uh, what, to me personally, is one of my favorite benefits of being a family of churches, instead of starting independent churches who just go, bye, see you, never talk to you again, because we just had my favorite thing that we do as pastors yesterday.
0: Tell me about it. It's actually one of my favorite things, too, though, not to spoil it, but one of the things that I love about Lake Forest, um, fill everyone in on what that process looks like, Mike, because a lot of churches are very much not this way, and that's fine. There's there's different ways of doing it, but the way that we do it here, I feel like, has a couple of strong benefits, which I can t- I can. Go, I can explain what I think is good about it after you tell me what it is. When we
1: became a family of churches and and said that we're going to— we're going to every church that we plant in the future will not always be a Lake Forest family member. There are some reasons geographically and otherwise that it will make sense for that way. But one of the—we decided to be a family of churches so that we're, we're peer mentoring each other, we're holding each other accountable for staying on mission, and we can plant more churches faster together— But one of the things that—we're unified by the mission, vision, and values of Lake Forest Church, Uh, and one elder team made up of elders from each of our churches govern us. But the the thing that unifies us the most that's the most um, uh, visible to ministry partners is that we all preach the same Word of God Mm -hmm. weekly. Our churches have freedom to deviate any given series, any given Sunday, But why would you? Because what we did yesterday is something we do twice a year. We had a smaller group yesterday still because of the pandemic, but we met outside at a beautiful lake environment provided by one of our ministry partners. And it was the lead pastors and assistant pastors um, uh, of each of our family of churches. So uh, with the exception of Davidson this time, since they're starting to make up their own model— And we're out here on this patio all day, and you know what we were doing, friends? Like, I get to be with not only myself, Jeff Cook here at Huntersville, Cammie Howard was there, but I get to be with that stud young pastor, Aaron Gibson, at Lake Forest Westlake, with Terrell Huntley, our newest Mm U-City pastor, who brings a totally different perspective. Victor Leal, who brings a growing up in East L.A. perspective. And we tear into what word of God do the Lake Forest people of God and their unchurched friends need to hear in the next six-month period? Now, it was easy yesterday because we've already defined the Bible in a year. But we were breaking the rest of the year into series, emphases, noting the grand opening day of for Westlake's new building. We're going to treat that like a big deal here at Lake Forest Huntersville, noting the likely launch date of LFC U-City. Uh, but we come to... Harrison, this time, was a little unique because it was pastors only. We... Um, Uh, Oh, uh, oh, the new assistant pastor at Westlake was there. He just moved here, Bob, Mm, um, from Iowa. We spent the first half of the morning really with Aaron leading us through reflection on what our experience has been like as ministers of the gospel during this challenging year. How are we doing personally? What are we learning? He asked a really good question. How are you doing staying in contact with the Holy Spirit? What practices? So here we are. These are the ministers that i most respect in this area quite frankly and i'm we're peer mentoring one another by the way statistically this this satisfies one of the greatest needs of all pastors of all churches generally they do not have friends generally they do not gather with peers and colleagues to talk about the deepest parts of their work and their life uh, and new church planters 100% report feeling alone. That will never happen in Lake Ford. So we spent the morning, how are you doing? Oh, and we also talked about, how, what are you learning about the craft of preaching, doing, preaching through the Bible this way? We had an outstanding. Aaron brought some really great quotes from some other notable preachers. I mean, it was a learning session. It was a spiritual growth session. And we prayed over each other. And then in the afternoon, we broke the rest of the year into into series. It's one of the things I love best that we share the word of God is, is th- one of the most unifying things
0: among our family of churches. I think it's uh, super cool, and you touched on it in there, a couple things. Number one, I've heard you say plenty of times, and we've seen uh, in the world of churches, um, churches start all the time. Church plants mm-hmm. happen all the time the The failure rate of brand new little baby churches is pretty high. Like yes. it, it can be, it can be pretty it's hard. Similar
1: to the failure rate of of restaurants, Harrison. Because hmm. um, most of you know, I, I am actually Doctor. Professor Moses in my alter ego. I <laughs> teach church planting. Yeah. At the graduate school level, I will do so as a week long intensive this June. By the way, at Gordon Conwell Seminary, already awesome. got students signing up. Nice. I'm really excited about it.
0: So, so with that said. Um, it, there, there is a a major part of things where, like you've said before, a lot of these church planners do feel alone. It can feel a lot like, both in like the spiritual burden and the loneliness, kind of like Moses walking up to the top of the mountain to have his meeting with God one on one, and and he feels this burden and weight and pressure of the whole mantle yes. of everything on that was the, me the pastors' our
1: first ten years. He,
0: yeah, so so it's really neat. I've enjoyed um seeing you guys and. Uh, I started here at Lake Forest about the same time as Aaron did and I know one of the things that that as you've talked with Aaron as I have as well that that he appreciates and why he wanted to be part of Lake Forest is for that experience of being able to collaborate and partner together with other like-minded pastors.
1: He he was uh, uh, a the shining star associate pastor of a very large church in Los Angeles. And he had a heart to plant a church. He kind of had this little bit of a dream, like, God, it feels like I have the spiritual entrepreneurship to do that and I have a vision. But he said, he told us he never wanted to do that alone as a solo church and church planner. And when he found our collaborative model, he went nuts. Hmm. Uh, Cause we were like, why does this dude from LA want to come to Denver, North Carolina? Well, that was a, a large part of the attractiveness factor and now we love leading this together, and that's, I think I mentioned last week, we're co-writing. I'm leaving here to go to his office, where we'll finish co-writing our Easter sermon, um, which is just a joy to collaborate. Yeah, yeah so, um, yeah, you talked about the failure rate of new churches. So we, one of the reasons we do this as a family of churches is we try to take off the table some of the key top reasons that church plants fail. One is the church planter, this is in no, uh, first of all, the top reason that church plants fail is when the church planting pastor, the lead pastor, and their spouse, be it male or female, um, husband or wife, uh, if they were not equally called. Hmm. Now, Angie Hmm. and I had to deal with this. Angie's like, equally called? I'm not, this is not my job. They're not hiring me i'm <laughs> I'm just going to be a ministry partner and keep babies and go to the book club and be in our community group, mm-hmm. uh, which is what she does and a lot of other things she volunteers with caterpillar ministries a lot of things um it but it means are are they equally called to a life of ministry and a lifestyle of ministry because church planning is very difficult to do and succeed at there will be stress there will be let down there will be uncertainty. And when that stress comes, if the spouse is not equally called, like God led us to do this, <laughs> however they heard that, hmm. then then the the marriage cracks or the church cracks. An- another top reason church plants fail is uh, not properly resourced financially. Mm -hmm. and Any of you business people will know that's a top reason for startup businesses failing, not capitalized properly. Well, we take care of that because of the generosity of Lake Forest Ministry Partners. 3% of our funds of all of our churches goes into the church multiplication fund, and we don't start a new church until that fund has built up, and that church planner is not worrying about money. Now, three years in, they better be worried about money. That's when they're expected to, new giving in the new church, meet their monthly overhead, if you get my drift there. Uh, so we we have proper motivation on them, but we capitalize it really well with God's capital. Um, another frequent reason for failure is, um, oh, well, that alone factor right, mm-hmm. that we mentioned earlier, yep. mm-hmm. that is... Um, so those are those are, uh, three. Oh, the other main reason is that a church planter, people were so fired up to plant a church, or your assistant pastor in your church, everybody loves him and, and he or she says, I feel called to plant a church, and they just do it. If the church planter has not been properly assessed, and there's a very specific rigorous process that we go through that's standard, by the way, to assess, is this really the career giftedness of this person, both spiritually and just humanly? Like, are they, and and if I have to ask one question, if somebody's sitting across the table from me, and this happens quite often, the pastor will go, you know, I'm I'm wondering if I'm called to plant a church, and somebody said, go talk to Mike Moses, and I'll sit down with them over a plate of barbecue, and I'll say, listen, I if I, I uh, if I just ask one question, it's this. What's your track record of starting ministry, small or large, mm-hmm. in your ministry experience, and it showing fruitfulness, and eventually other people owned it as their own. They're like, this is my ministry, and it kept going even without you. Hmm. That's, that's the number one question, and that's how I knew I was a church planter. I was an assistant pastor in a fast-growing church in Memphis, and it, it was growing so fast, and I was in charge of so many ministries that I just had to start a butt-ton of ministry. I started I started and led worship at a Saturday night service. I started a young couples Sunday school class. I started a Monday night 20-somethings group. Hmm. I started another youth group. I, like, I did all that in, in about two years, and I didn't even think of it as starting. And so then a couple years later, as I was... Um, Angie and I were feeling untethered to being an assistant pastor, and I didn't know what was next. I started learning about oh, if if there's different style, uh, God gives you different types of giftedness. Oh, if mine is entrepreneurial, the startup kind that also casts the kind of vision that other people take ownership and are like, oh, I want to be part of that. I want to make that happen that maybe church planning would be for me. And I went through the assessment process, and through that, God confirmed this was our call, and blah, blah, blah. Here I am. Uh, uh, Except I couldn't let go of it. It's like I'm a one-trick pony Harrison. As long as I'm lead pastor here, I'm at my highest function here in Lake Forest when I have one or two startup projects internal to us every year. Um, And I know what those are right now. Uh, But then God... Gave, because we were a church plant, and now we have competency at this, and it's my ability. When we got to a certain size of people and funding, we had to face a big question. Here, that was about two thousand nine, two thousand
0: ten. And let me let me frame that. Let me frame that question you this way. I'm going to make it a big fat question for you. If you Mike would put on, put on your lead pastor hat for a minute and think about. Being the lead pastor of one church at one place. So here's the question: Planning a church is costly in a couple ways. It's costly in cost. You mentioned that mm-hmm. helping to mm-hmm. helping to financially support a new little baby church. It's costly in terms of people. A, a, a lot of churches. It's just easier once you once you build your first big room that holds 500 people. You fill that up, and you got your blueprints ready for the next big one. That's gonna fit 3,000 people and Mm -hmm. then you pack that one up and that's, that's the goal. Um, When you, when you, when you have a, a new baby church that you're planning kind of from the heart, a lot of times the people that are part of your current church will grab onto that vision. They'll go, Oh, I want to be part of that one. So for you as a, as a lead pastor, considering the cost all on this side of the balance sheet over here, what is it that drives you to say, no, you know what? Doing it is worth it because of this. Mm.
1: And and one of those costs is we made the decision in 2009, the elders and pastors and I, we're not going to now go build a two 3,000-seat auditorium. We're going to start new churches hyper-local to where people live. And <laughs> this is not the biggest cost. I'll answer your question. One of the costs for me is uh, I hear this little voice in my head. Um, So-and-so's church grew to bigger than lake forest huntersville Mm -hmm. um uh and i'll i'll i think about that (laughs) in in my flesh i'm like man would we have should we have and then i just have to put that off and i put my eyes on these church plants and their incredible fruitfulness there's now over a thousand people at them and then that'll change again um the biggest cost for me. Did you say the biggest cost or why?
0: Well, I'm... Oh, you said why. I, but yeah. I, I am oh, curious, though, I, because I... Have I have an
1: easy answer to that. Okay,
0: part. then what's the answer to that part?
1: Because the spread of the gospel for 2,000 years has ha- the, the leap of it, the, like the real multiplicative movement of the gospel to where it's the majority religion of billions of people in the world today it is the largest religion around Jesus, um, is because a new churches were started um village to village town to town people group to people group uh, across this sea across that ocean it it's not just the it's wonderful when a, a new person here at Lake Forest comes to faith in Jesus we celebrate that that's like our biggest win and we're going to baptize some people this Sunday um but frankly in the kingdom impact the bigger win is when a new body of Christ is established among a new people group, or a new part of town, or reaching a new population. Uh, that's the, that's actually the history of the spread. And, and something that I point out in my class, if you look at the middle part of the book of Acts, Harrison, uh, so, so there's that. And then, and then there's Jesus' command, go and make disciples. He kind of implied more, or he directly said that, because yeah. there was 11 of them standing there. And then he reiterated again in, in Acts 1.8. And then if you look, what did the people he said that to understand him to mean? And you do that by measuring what did they do. Mm -hmm. And the book of Acts shows the spread and the planting of churches uh, all around the known world in, in the first generation of the church. And it's really interesting. There's this exegetical insight in the Middle period of the book of acts it'll talk about paul and barnabas they went so it's very famous and most of you guys listen to the podcast you know your bible pretty well it's very famous paul and barnabas went on three different missionary journeys but they were church planting journeys um and we think of it as oh yeah they shared the gospel and some people came to christ so the the author luke of acts who was with them on one or two of those uh will say, Paul and Barnabas went to such and such a town, and they preached the gospel, and a bunch of disi- people became disciples. So, disciples. And then, it'll say, on their way back, they visited that town again, they visited the church mm-hmm. to e- equip them further. So, disciples, plural, equals the word church in the book of Acts. That You guys can have fun looking that up if, if you question me on that. And it's that... That is stated more than one time. So th- wh- whenever disciples are made, then that is a church, and they would appoint leadership. Yeah. And And so that's the that's what the people who heard Jesus say, go and make more. Th- that's what they, they understood it as a mandate to plant new churches where there are none or where there are needful populations. Uh, one reason we chose the Lake Norman area is it was the fastest growing part of the state in 1998. It, it actually made the cover of our state magazines, something like that. Uh, it was a different magazine. And, like, new people are going to be moving here who have spiritual needs. We want to serve their needs, and mm-hmm. that has proven to be true. So that's why, Harrison, we actually have this big, long vision document. And any of you who want, you can email me, and I'd be glad to share it with you. It's internal. It's very geeky. It's 15 pages long. Mm-hmm. And it describes our, our multi-site model, church planting model. But the first page says, why are we doing this? Because it's painful to see friends... Go out. In fact, Harrison, here's, you know what the greatest cost to me. Uh, somebody dear, dear family here who I love, I, I won't name them, uh, uh, met with me just last week. Hey, Mike, we're feeling led to go be part of the University City Church, this, this multi-ethnic vision and where we live and what our family cares about in God's kingdom missionally. Harrison, I rejoiced. I, I said, that's out. That's fantastic. That's wonderful, and then I said I just told him straight up. I said, "Now I'm just telling you." In my, I always, I always have moments. So they said, she said, "What does it feel like when these are people who are dear and they're leaders here? Uh, they're studly leaders." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she said, well, "What does it feel like when you know when I tell you this?" I said, "It feels jubilant. This is what the church we're supposed to give away people." Uh, so the gospel can propagate, and I'm so excited about this new church plant. I said, but I, I just so you know, there will always be a moment. Every person who takes up takes me up on on my permission to. Hey, if all of y'all go start Westlake or Davidson or U City, fine. We'll fill this. We'll, we'll reach more people here in Huntersville. I mean it, but I will take it personally at some point. I will feel it personally. I will feel it like. Why. Well, in my flesh, I'll be like, well, I guess I wasn't a good enough pastor or preacher or whatever. I know that's not it. I know it's that they have caught fire for a new mission.
0: Well, it's also neat to see, and we've seen this borne out over years here at Lake Forest, here at Huntersville, and watching this happen is it's it's one of the coolest things about being this kind of church is that when you send people like that off, there is a new leadership void in our church Right for you talk about, Mike says this all the time, podcast listeners, where he'll say uh, he shortens it, but Jesus says to make more and better disciples. So Mike always says, how are we doing? Are we making mo better, mo better? We need mo better. <laughs> and one way to do that is uh, if super awesome ministry partner, people who are killing it, leadership, stay in that role here for... Twenty-five years—that's fantastic. It's also fantastic when they go step up and do that somewhere else, because then there's a space for someone to step in that would not have had that opportunity. And then there's your mo Beta.
1: That is well said, Harrison. That's exactly <laughs> right. And I and I actually have a specific family in mind that uh, that I'll say to my seminary class or whenever I talk about church planting about one reason why you should give people away. Uh, and when we do it geographically so there was this one family who had come here to Lake Forest Huntersville for some years um uh and they kind of sat in the back and every time that I would look everybody in the eye and go hey following Jesus is not a solo sport you'd be in a community group read your bible you know all of that stuff go on mission they would just sit there and be like nah not not doing that you can you know they kind of they're kinda, you know they just got used to hear me say that and they're like nah we're just kind of showing up in the back row well I didn't realize one of the reasons for that uh by the way I've never had this conversation with them so I'm trying to hide who they are (laughs) um one of the reasons I didn't realize is they live pretty far away over in Denver so when this when Aaron starts recruiting the launch team for Westlake they they had a conversation this is according to Aaron they're like oh shoot like our neighborhood is right across the street from where that the new church is going to meet I think we actually have to say yes to the Lord's ask to be on that launch team, and those folks are vitalized disciples. They're leading spiritually in that congregation, and on launch day for Westlake, they came. They came up to uh, one of them came up to Aaron and said all five of my one more persons I invited are here today. Mm. Don't mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's an example as well. When you, if the geography of people here, and, and if you get involved in a church plant, you can't, mail it in as a ministry partner. Like It takes so much. And so we've seen many disciples really vitalized, and then again, people here at Huntersville need to step into leadership. So let me give you a couple of fun statistics, Then let's check in with one of our favorite church planters, Byron Davis. Cool? A couple of church planting statistics from Dr. Professor Moses. Um, Let's see. What's the first one? Oh, one reason why we do it the way we do it. Harrison... Churches, Church plants that start up as a daughter church of an established healthy mother church succeed at twice the rate of other mm. church plants. So, boom, that's why we do it the way we do it. Yep. We, we believe in data. <laughs> uh, data, in my industry, data explains how the Holy Spirit most normally works in North America. That's how I think of it. Mm. Uh, secondly, when you do it as a multi-site, there's another factor of success even higher. And when I say their survivability is double, also their numerical growth after three to five years. Another statistic is that church plants who actually talk about what the Bible says about money and tithing and giving in their first three years, they grow faster and larger than churches that don't. Interesting. So, by the way, when I put on my Coach Mike hat, and I'm I'm the church planting coach to I've been for Michael for Aaron for Terrell for Victor and other church planters. That's one of the things I coach them on. Okay, how are we working this end of the first three months of sermons? And I tell them that statistic. Um, let's see if there are any other fun facts. Oh, church plants whose pastor had a church planting coach in their first couple of years also survive and grow more than church plants that don't. I think that factor is about a factor of 25%, if I recall. And so um, that's why in our model, no church planner operates without having a coach. So with Victor, it's been my joy to ride alongside and coach him. He's, he's the lead. He's making decisions. But I'm coaching him to work the plan that he and I came up with together. Under my coaching, he came up with. And then I hold him accountable, and I coach him and give him counsel. Uh, and we have a, an oversight team also. And we will do that with Terrell. So those are some fun church planning facts. Bet you didn't know that when you woke up this morning.
0: Bet you did not. Well, the one super interesting is it seems counterintuitive that, uh, you know, uh, speaking more, and Jesus talks so much about money and the hold it has on you as well. But it's very interesting to, to see that statistically bear out that talking about things that it may be probably, I'm sure it feels like as a church planner, that's, one of those topics you're like, oh, for comfortability's sake, maybe we we'll just stay away from that one, but you...
1: And what's been super interesting is me with Victor talking about that, and like, Victor, I don't know how to do that in a Latino-American experience, but let's go find out. You go find out how. And same thing with Pastor Davis. Uh, Byron, who we'll dial in in just a second, He, we're just dear friends, but a couple of years ago he said, Mike, would you also slip into the role of church planting coach, because I don't want us to get stuck as a church. And so this was one of my coaching factors when I had my Coach Mike hat on. And same thing, we worked on a project where Byron went and looked at other African-American pastors and how they taught... Tithing and giving, and he's ramped that up in his ministry. It's been neat, so maybe that's one of the questions we can ask him.
0: Sure. Well, to that point, um, he's been on the podcast before. He was on uh, in the middle of last summer, but it is uh, it is. Always a joy to get a chance to sit down and talk with Pastor Byron Davis. He's the lead pastor of Liberation Ministries. Um, what else do we need to know about Pastor Byron before we dial him in? If someone's new uh, to our our friend, you know,
1: if you're if you're new to the Lake Force family and friends, Pastor Davis's church, it, a former church. Uh, became our first external partner church as long as, uh, w- well, the year we moved into this building, so 13 years ago, something like that, um, and uh, they were a predominantly local African-American church, and then at some point, he he felt the call of God to start, uh, but they were pretty traditional, to start a new style, more uh, modern worship church to reach unchurched people, and they meet at Hornet's Nest Elementary School on Beatty's Ford Road. Let's, let's call him. Let's call him up. Hey, welcome in Pastor Byron Davis of the L. Byron, it was so good to be with you yesterday. Byron participates in our family of churches sermon planning. They're a partner church and they do our same sermon series. And so he had some great ideas yesterday. I appreciate what you spoke into us, brother while we were planning sermons for the second half of the year. Hey, we want to know how has the pandemic affected the L church?
2: Well, Pastor, for us, because we are using a public facility, uh, we are at their mercy as far as availability. So, when the pandemic first started, that was something for us. But we were so blessed, or we are so blessed and so fortunate to be uh, a partner with Lake Forest Church, which was able to take their wear away from us by allowing us to use your facility. and. Uh, it's been going well uh, for us by our relationship with Lake Forest.
1: Cool. Well, now that we've had to start Tropolis back on Sunday mornings here at Lake Forest, that space has no longer been available for you guys to film and broadcast your online worship. Where are you doing that now, Byron, and how's your congregation been responded to online-only worship?
2: Uh, When we left uh, Lake Forest, we spent a few Sundays over at the Resource Center with uh, Pastor Victor, and then we relocated to my living room just to see how that would be. We rearranged that, and that has turned out to be awesome. So we're uh, in my living room. We're enjoying it. On Easter Sunday, we're going to go out in the front yard, and so uh, we just had no idea. I had done a service there by myself, but not with the praise team. So that has worked out excellent for us.
1: That is really cool. That's why you're a church planter, Byron. You're, you're flexible. You can pivot on a dime. You're making things up. That's outstanding. Hey, how can the people of Lake Forest pray for you and the L in these next few months?
2: Pray for wisdom and knowledge. That's what we need direction. Uh, We have become fearless because we don't, we have so many things that we had to work through. So we don't get afraid, but we do want wisdom and knowledge. So just uh, Lake Forest, when you pray for the L, say, God, give them guidance in their direction and that what they're doing are not liberation things, but God things.
1: Brother. We are praying just that for you. Thank you for joining us today, and all you friends, thank you for joining in on the Ask LFC podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. See you you guys. Be blessed.
2: You all have a great week.